0: Section 4 of Monday Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Monday Tales by Alphonse Daudet. Section 4 The Boy Spy. They called him Sten, Little Sten. He was a child of Paris, puny and pale. He might have been ten, possibly fifteen years old. It is hard to tell the age of such midges. His mother was dead, and his father, an old marine, was on guard in the Quartier du Temple. Babies and nursemaids, old women carrying their camp stools, poor mothers, in short, all that portion of Paris that jogs along on foot, found a safe retreat from carriages in those gardens bordered by sidewalks. They were well acquainted with Father Sten, and they adored him, for they knew well that, in spite of that ferocious mustache, the terror of stray dogs, and of many a lounger who frequented the benches, the old soldier's smile was full of kindness, almost maternal in its tenderness, and to see that smile one had merely to ask the good man, How is your little boy? For Father Sten loved his boy dearly. It gladdened his heart to have the little fellow call for him towards evening, after school was out, and together they promenaded the walks, stopping at every bench to reply to the polite greetings of the frequenters of the gardens. But, alas, after the siege began, all was changed. Father Sten's square was closed, and petroleum was stored there. The poor man was compelled to be on guard ceaselessly, "'passing his days in those deserted groves "'where everything was in confusion and disorder. "'He was not allowed even a smoke. "'He could not see his boy until he reached home late in the evening. "'You should have seen his mustache when he mentioned the Prussians. "'But little Sten was not at all averse to this new life. "'For these gamins, a siege furnishes considerable diversion. "'No more lessons, no more school.' vacation every day, and the streets full of life as a field on a fair day. The boy roamed the streets all day long and never went in until nightfall. He accompanied the battalions of the neighborhood as they marched to the rampart with a preference for those where the bands played the liveliest music, and on that subject little Sten was quite an authority. He would tell you with an air of conviction that the band of the 96th did not amount to much but that of the fifty-fifth was excellent. When he was not on the march, he would watch the mobiles at Drill, and then there were those hours of waiting when, his basket under his arm, he joined the long lines of people forming in front of the butchers' and bakers' shops, in the unlighted streets, in the dull gray dawn of those winter days. And there, feet in the water, one stood and made new acquaintances. Politics were discussed, And, being the son of Monsieur Sten, he was asked his opinion on every hand. But, most amusing of all, he found those Bouchon games, especially that famous game of galoche, which the Breton soldiers had made quite fashionable during the siege. When little Sten was not at the rampart, or waiting in front of some baker's shop, you were sure of finding him watching a game of galoche in the Place du Chateau d'Eau, Of course, you will understand that he never played himself. It cost too much money. He contented himself merely with devouring the players with his eyes. A big fellow who wore a coat and blue overalls and never staked less than a hundred sous-piece excited his special admiration. Whenever he ran, one could hear his money jingling in the depths of his pockets. One day... Picking up a piece of money which had rolled directly in front of Little Sten's feet, this fellow whispered to the little one, That makes you squint, eh? Well, now, if you like, I can tell you where there are more of them. And when the game was ended, he led Little Sten to a corner of the place and proposed the latter should join him in selling newspapers to the Prussians, thirty francs for each trip they made. At first, Little Sten indignantly refused, and for three days in succession he was not seen watching the game. Three terrible days for him. He neither ate nor slept. At night he saw great heaps of galoshes lying at the foot of his bed, and the floor paved with shining lines of hundred sous pieces. The temptation was too strong. And the fourth day he returned to Chateau d'Au, "'saw the big fellow again, and allowed himself to be seduced. "'They set out one snowy morning, carrying a canvas bag, "'their newspapers hidden in their blouses. "'They reached the Porte de Flandre just before daybreak. "'His companion took Sten's hand, and approaching the sentinel, "'a worthy sedentary, with a red nose and a benevolent air, "'he said in a whining voice, "'Let us pass, my good sir.' "'Our mother is sick. Papa is dead. "'We are going, my little brother and I, to dig potatoes in the field.' "'He began to cry. "'Sten, feeling very much ashamed, hung his head. "'The sentinel looked at both of them for a moment, "'then glanced at the road, white and deserted. "'Pass, but be quick,' he said, standing aside. "'And then they found themselves on the Aubervilliers road.' How the rascal laughed! Vaguely, as if in a dream, Little Sten saw factory after factory turned into barracks, deserted barricades stuffed with moldy rags and tall chimneys cutting the fog. But from those chimney tops, lost in the sky, no smoke ascended, and they were dented in places. Along the road sentinels were posted, and muffled officers stood looking through their field glasses, small tents soaked with melted snow were pitched in front of the dying fires. Sten's companion knew the road well, and took a cross-cut to avoid passing the guard, but they were obliged to pass the advance guard of sharpshooters. There they were in their capes, squatted in the bottom of a watery ditch, which ran along the railroad to Soissons, but this time THE BIG FELLOW TRIED TO TELL HIS STORY ALL IN VAIN. THEY WERE NOT ALLOWED TO PASS. WHILE HE WAS LAMENTING, THERE ISSUED FROM THE gatekeeper's HOUSE AN OLD SERGEANT, WHITE-HAIRED AND WRINKLED, WHO LOOKED NOT UNLIKE FATHER STEN HIMSELF. "'Come, you rascals, don't cry any more,' he said to the boys. "'You may go and dig your potatoes, "'but first come in and warm yourselves a little. "'That young vagabond there looks as if he were frozen.' Alas, little Sten was not trembling from cold, but from fear and shame. Inside, they found some soldiers squatting around a wretched fire. A widow's fire, it might well have been called, but at its warmth they were endeavoring to thaw out their biscuits at the point of their bayonets. They crowded closer to make room for the boys and gave them a swallow of brandy and some coffee. While they were drinking... An officer appeared at the door, called the sergeant, whispered something in a very low voice, and suddenly disappeared. "'Boys,' said the sergeant, returning with a radiant face, "'they'll be fighting this night. The watchword of the Prussians is discovered. This time, I believe, we shall recapture that cursed bourget.' There was an outburst of bravos and laughter, dancing and singing and polishing of sword bayonets, "'Taking advantage of the general uproar, the boys disappeared. "'When they had passed the trench, they came to the open plain, "'and at its extremity ran a long white wall, pierced with loopholes. "'Towards this wall the boys directed their footsteps, "'stopping at every step and making believe that they were gathering potatoes. "'Let us return. Don't go any further,' said little Sten again and again. THE OTHER SHRUGGED HIS SHOULDERS AND PUSHED ON WITHOUT PAUSE. SUDDENLY THEY HEARD THE SHARP CLICK OF A GUN. DOWN, SAID THE ELDER, AND DROPPED TO THE GROUND. HE LAY AT FULL LENGTH AND WHISTLED. AN ANSWERING WHISTLE WAS HEARD THROUGH THE SNOW. THEY ADVANCED ON ALL FOURS. IN FRONT OF THE WALL, AND LEVEL WITH THE GROUND, APPEARED A PAIR OF YELLOW MUSTACHIOS, SURMOUNTED BY A GREASY CAP. "'Sten's companion jumped into the trench and stood by the Prussian's side. "'That's my brother,' he said, pointing to his companion. "'This brother of his was so small that the Prussian burst out laughing as he looked at him "'and was obliged to lift him in his arms to get him as far as the breach. "'On the other side of the wall were huge earthworks, felled trees, black holes dug in the snow, "'and in each hole was a head like the first with its yellow moustaches which quivered with laughter as the boys passed by. In one spot stood a gardener's house, casemated, with tree trunks. Downstairs it was filled with soldiers playing cards and making soup, before a big fire which burned merrily. A savory odor of bacon and cabbage ascended. How different all this from the sharpshooter's bivouac! Overhead were the officers' quarters. The sound of a piano was heard. Champagne flowed freely. When the Parisians entered, a joyous hurrah greeted them. They distributed their newspapers. The officers made the boys drink and talk. The bearing of all these officers was proud and insolent. But the elder of the boys amused them with his vulgar wit and street-arab's vocabulary. They roared as they repeated his words after him, rolling delightedly in the mud of Paris he had brought them. Little Sten would have liked to put in a word here and there, to show them he was no fool, but something stopped his tongue. Opposite him, apart from the rest, sat a Prussian who was older, more serious than the others. He was reading, or seemed to be, but his eyes never left the two boys. THERE WAS SOMETHING BOTH TENDER AND REPROACHFUL IN THAT LOOK. HAD THIS MAN A CHILD OF HIS OWN AT HOME, A CHILD OF THE SAME AGE AS STEN, AND DID HIS LOOK SAY, I WOULD RATHER DIE THAN SEE A SON OF MINE BENT ON SUCH AN ERRAND AS THIS? FROM THE MOMENT THOSE EYES MET HIS, STEN FELT AS IF A HAND HAD LAID A WEIGHT UPON HIS HEART AND STOPPED ITS BEATING. TO FORGET HIS AGONY, HE BEGAN TO DRINK. Soon, everything swam about him. Amid loud bursts of laughter, he could hear in a dazed fashion what his comrade was saying. The latter was ridiculing the National Guard. He mimicked a muster in the marais and a night alarm on the ramparts. Then he lowered his voice. The officers came up closer, and their faces grew grave. The young wretch was about to warn them of the intended attack of the sharpshooters. But now, little Sten roused himself in a fury. He had suddenly sobered. Stop that, he said. I won't have it. The other smiled merely and continued. Before he had finished, all the officers were standing. One of them showed the boys the door, saying, Off with you! They began to talk among themselves very rapidly and in German. The big boy marched out, proud as a doge, jingling his money. Sten followed him, hanging his head. And as he passed by the Prussian, whose glance had disturbed his peace of mind so greatly, he heard a sad voice saying, BASCHOLI, SA, BASCHOLI. Tears sprang to his eyes. Once on the plain again, the boys began to run, and their return was rapid. Their bag was full of potatoes the Prussians had given them, and carrying it, they passed the trench where the sharpshooters were without being stopped. The men were preparing for the attack of the coming night. Troops were arriving silently and forming behind the walls. The old sergeant was there, busied in arranging his men. How happy he looked! As the boys passed, he recognized them and smiled kindly. Oh, how that smile tortured little Sten. For a moment, he longed to cry out, Don't go there tonight, we have betrayed you. But the other had said, If you speak, we shall be shot. And fear kept him silent. At La Cornuve, they went to, into a deserted house to share their money. "'Truth compels me to state that the division was an honest one, "'and that when little Sten heard all those fine franc-pieces "'rattling in his blouse and thought of all the games of galoche, "'which he saw in the near future, his crime did not so much appall him. "'But when at last the wretched child was alone, "'after they had passed the gates and his companion left him, "'then his pockets began to grow heavy indeed.' and the hand which had pressed so heavily upon his heart pressed more heavily than ever. And Paris no longer seemed to him the same Paris. Passers-by seemed to gaze at him severely as if they knew whence he came. Even the sound of carriage-wheels and the flourish of drums where the troops were drilling along the canal seemed to be saying that one word spy. At last he reached his home glad to discover that his father had not yet returned. He ascended quickly to their chamber, and hid the money which weighed him down so heavily. Never had Father Sten felt more amiably disposed or happier than he did, returning home that evening, for good news had just come from the country outside of Paris. Affairs were going better. And as he ate, the old soldier looked at his gun hanging on the wall, and said to the child, with that charming smile of his, Well, boy, you should fight the Prussians if you were old enough. Towards eight o'clock, the cannonade began. It is at Aubervilliers. They are fighting at Bourget, said the worthy man, who knew all his forts well. Little Sten grew pale, and, pretending that he was very tired, he went to bed, but he could not sleep for the booming of the cannons never ceased. He pictured to himself the sharpshooters, reaching by night the spot where they were to surprise the Prussians, and falling into an ambuscade themselves. He recalled the sergeant who had smiled at him, and thought of him lying out there in the snow, and so many, so many beside him. And the blood money was there, concealed under his pillow. And it was he, the son of Monsieur Sten, a soldier who had tears choked him. In the side room, he heard his father pace to and fro. He opened a window. In the square below, the call to arms sounded. A battalion of mobiles, about to set out, were calling their numbers. Yes, this was a battle in real earnest. "'the wretched child could not restrain a sob. "'What ails you?' asked Father Sten, entering the room. "'The child could control himself no longer. "'He jumped from his bed "'and would have thrown himself at his father's feet. "'But his sudden movement sent the money rolling upon the floor. "'What is that? "'Have you been stealing?' asked the old man, and he trembled. "'Then, without pausing to take breath, Little Sten told him all that had happened in that visit to the Prussians and what share he had had in it. And by degrees, as he told his story, he seemed to breathe more freely. That silent accuser in his heart ceased to torture him. Father Sten's face, as he listened, was terrible. When he had heard the last word, he buried his face in his hands and wept. "'Father, father!' the child tried to say. But the old man pushed the boy away from him without a word and began to pick up the money. "'Is this all?' he asked. Little Sten nodded. The old man took down his gun and his cartridge box and put the money in his pocket. "'Very well,' he said. "'I will return it to them. And without another word, without looking back a single time, He descended and went out into the night and mingled with the mobiles who were leaving. He was never seen again. End of section four. Recording by Linda Johnson.